Hartford Whalers are home for the final time. Our Sports Channel cameras are inside the Hartford Civic Center to capture the emotion of this historic day. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm John Forsland. As always, thanks for joining us. Well, it's the meaningless game with tremendous meaning. Both teams, the Hartford Whalers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, have been eliminated from Stanley Cup playoff contention. But for Whaler fans and the team, today means everything. We welcome Bill Gardner. Billy spent nine seasons in the National Hockey League, part of that career with the Hartford Whalers. Partner, you've donned the spirit. You have the old colors on, and that's great to see. It's 11 years old, and I never thought I'd see the day when this franchise would not be here in Hartford. I know they started off in the WHA. The transition to the NHL was great. There were some excellent years here. And by far, the most meaningful aspect of the whole situation is the fans, a great hardcore group of fans. Today's game is for them, and I wish I was on the ice to help out a little bit. The fans are certainly the number one star and will be this afternoon. The emotion in the building, you can really feel it as you walk around and talk to people, the people that have been part of Hartford Whaler tradition, it's amazing. Well, you see the fans right here, and uh, they came out yesterday. John, you yeah. ran the award ceremony here, here for the Hartford Whalers individually, and the fans have been great. And what I like about this group of fans showing class because of this situation, they sure. never got down on the Hartford Whalers as a team. They supported this team. I think the team fooled them because I thought, and the fans thought, and the players thought we'd be having a few more games here in the playoffs. But the fans have been tremendous. And tonight, as I said earlier, really this game is for the fans, and this team should be up for this game. It should be a good one. Uh, has all the time in the world for everybody. The best compliment for anyone is a pro, and that's what he is. That's all. Just a pro. Face off in the zone. That's all that remains. And the crowd is cherishing every moment. Norton in the corner. It's over, folks. It's been a great ride. The Whalers will go out. Winners. Which is fitting. It absolutely is. They got a book out for this one. They followed that book to a T. The Hartford Whalers did not let the 14,660 here down today. They have never let the team down over the years. The hardcore lead green fans that have been with this team for so long are here today and deserve this 2-1 to win. Welcome to Good Seats Still Available, a curious little podcast devoted to exploring what used to be in professional sports. Here's your host, Tim Hanlon. Well, greetings and salutations, friends. How are you? My name's Tim Hanlon, and you have stumbled across uh, our little podcast journey. We call Good Seats Still Available, our curious little podcast journey into what used to be in professional sports, a special treat. For all you hockey fans out there, especially those who grew up or still live in the New England area. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the team that uh, was ripped apart from the fabric of Hartford, Connecticut, the Whalers, the Hartford Whalers. Of course, they started off as the uh, WHA, World Hockey Association, New England Whalers, and then became the NHL Hartford Whalers uh, in years uh, afterwards. Uh, But uh, in the late 90s, of course, uh, were taken away, if you will, for supposedly greener pastures. Uh, in uh, in North Carolina, Raleigh-Durham in particular, 
uh, where they now reside, uh, known as the Carolina Hurricanes. And we'll uh, we'll get into some of our conversation uh, with the Whaler guys, Peter Hindle and Jerry Irwin, uh, the folks behind the uh, long running Hartford Public Access television show, uh, the Whaler guys devoted to all things Hartford Whalers. We'll get into it uh, as to whether that move was successful uh, or not. Uh, the uh, current status uh, of the Carolina Hurricanes, the uh, interesting re-embrace uh, of the uh, heritage that the Carolina Hurricanes have, uh, having been previously in the port of uh, of Hartford, Connecticut, uh, the Whalers franchise. Uh, we get into all of that with our, our new friends, Peter Hindle and Jerry Irwin, the Whaler guys. Uh, and all things Hartford Whalers hockey uh, in just a couple of minutes. A very fun and uh, interesting conversation. And you will hear absolutely the passion uh, that these guys have. It's not just a, a, a TV show locally produced and run. Uh, you can see all their stuff on YouTube and we'll get to all their social media feeds, etc. Uh, but they're on a crusade, ma- make no mistake, uh, to bring back hockey, uh, NHL style, to Hartford. Uh, bring back the Whalers. I, it's an interesting team uh, with a, a very interesting heritage, uh, certainly a very strong, passionate fan base. And you're going to hear in our chat uh, lots of different uh, components that, uh, frankly, just won't go away. Uh, everything from a theme song to uh, the logo, uh, 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 jerseys that uh, are being reissued and, and are found all across the league in, in the United States, uh, and even a license plate that these guys, uh, Jerry and Peter, the Whaler guys actually help get uh, through Connecticut legislation, and you can buy if you're a Connecticut resident. Uh, proceeds go to charity, but you can show your fandom uh, of being a previous or, frankly, still current Hartford Whalers NHL hockey fan. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun thing, and this is exactly the kind of fun uh, and interesting dialogues we love to get into here on this show. Uh, the passion, uh, the heritage, the history uh, and maybe uh, the once again. Uh, and this is a, a really, I think, uh, emblematic conversation about a team uh, that uh, uh, touched a chord and uh, perhaps uh, will resonate once again uh, with a, a forlorn, shall we say, fan base uh, in Hartford, Connecticut, the state of Connecticut, generally New England, perhaps even more broadly, the Hartford Whalers. And we're going to talk about that with Peter and Jerry in just a couple of seconds. So stay tuned uh, for that. Don't forget, of course, uh, to uh, please uh, visit early and often our sponsors uh, and uh, perhaps partake of some of their wares. Uh, one of which is, of course, sportshistorycollectibles.com. Sportshistorycollectibles.com. That's the place to find all kinds of fun memorabilia stuff from teams and leagues past uh, and including, I'm almost certain, at least a few items from the old Hartford Whalers that you will find on sportshistorycollectibles.com. And if you find something you're you're just uh, just enamored with and you want to have and you got to you got to have. Uh, please indeed use the promo code GOODSEATS at checkout, and you're going to get 15% off that purchase and all purchases for that matter. SportsHistoryCollectibles.com. Use that promo code GOODSEATS and get 15% off your purchases. We thank Dean Mitchell, proprietor of SportsHistoryCollectibles.com, for his uh, patronage of our show. And um, we encourage all of you to uh, show some love uh, to him and the site and uh, by extension, giving us some uh some love as well. We appreciate that. And of course, we also appreciate your giving out uh, some, uh, giving a try, shall we say, uh, to our friends at Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash good seats. That's, uh, that's the place to go to check out and get your free audiobook download to give a try 
to what audio books are all about. Audible. Yeah, Audible audiobooks are the best things ever, right? No doubt. Get a free one-month uh, subscription to the Audible service and, of course, a free audiobook download from uh, a, uh, a vast array of over 180,000 titles uh, to choose from, uh, and you will see and enjoy the uh, the beauty that is an audiobook. And uh, I, I encourage you to give it a try. I'm pretty certain that you will uh, find it to be a compliment to your audio listening uh, uh, journeys, whether it be podcasting or audio or streaming, uh, songs, uh, music and whatnot, having audiobooks uh, at your fingertips or near your earbuds. Uh, a great way to pass the time on a long airplane ride or a commute. Uh, audibletrial.com slash goodseats is the place to give that a try. Uh, one free month of uh, the Audible service and one free audiobook download for you to try. You can cancel at any time. Did I say that properly? You can cancel at any time. So it's really no risk. Give it a try, audibletrial.com slash goodseats. And uh, as they say, you'll be glad you did. All right, let's uh, not waste any more time. Let us uh, skate, shall we say, uh, no pun intended, perhaps pun intended, I don't know, uh, into the conversation that uh, we were uh, uh, had just a, a couple of weeks back with our new friends, the Whaler guys, Peter Hindle uh, and Jerry Irwin. Here is our chat. Tell me about your fandom uh, of this team and what has inspired you to uh, essentially carry the torch in in various ways, uh, you know, going forward. Well, I'll, I'll start. Uh, this is Jerry. I uh, actually worked for the Hartford Whalers in the 87-88 season. Uh, it dates back all the way to when I was about seven years old and went to the Hartford Civic Center in, in about 1975 and watch the New England Whalers of the WHA uh, take on the, the, the USSR, uh, the Red Army team from the Soviet Union. Uh, with the, the likes of Brad Selwood, Nick Fatiu, Johnny McKenzie, uh, we had um, Bruce Landon in goal with Al Smith, uh, Cap Raider, uh, Christian Abrahamson and Tommy Abrahamson, the, the identical twins from the New England Whalers. Uh, and, and from that point, uh, when I was lucky enough to go to that one game, uh, New England Whalers, uh, I followed the club all, all the way on, unfortunately, till their departure when they were taken from the city of Hartford, because that's what happened. They were taken from us. Uh, and our passion, uh, Peter and myself, uh, took over about seven years ago when we started this pilgrimage of having a TV show. Uh, that has been named uh, the Whaler Guys, Whaler Talk, uh, Whaler Nation uh, on public access TV, uh, Twitter. We actually had a uh, a podcast that we uh, called Shut Your Blowhole. Uh, so we've been doing it for quite a while, and uh, we are Whaler fans until the day tell, uh, someone tells us to stop uh, fighting the fight, and we're not ready to give up just yet. Uh, yeah, and I was going to say, uh, this is Peter, by the way. So, you know, it's, it's funny when you look at it, it's kind of like the Whalers are the Brooklyn Dodgers of Major League Baseball. And, you know, I know it's only 21 years and the Dodgers have been gone. And the, the things here that are, are sacred are have been sacred for 35, 40 years. One is, uh, you know, everyone loves Howard Baldwin from the standpoint that he made this happen. He moved the team from Boston, a larger market, came to Hartford and with, with the WHA, and he made that all happen. Uh, and the other things that are, is the logo is 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 basically a crest of the city almost. It's uh, you know everybody loves that logo. I don't think 
Terry and I would be doing a show today if it wasn't for that logo. It's kind of like our third co-host. Uh, you know, the colors are very sacred and that type of thing. And then there's uh, the hockey, uh, the Hartford Hockey Mount Rushmore of players. And, uh, you know, you look at it and, and it's, it's, you know, Gordie Howe, for one, and not many teams can say that, as you know. Uh, Gordie Howe, Ron Francis, Kevin Deneen, and Ulf Samuelson. Uh, those jerseys still hang from the Civic Center today. Uh, and actually, a couple of years ago, when UConn had joined Hockey East, and uh, adopted Brass Bonanza as our goal song. When they came into the Excel Center, there was a banner uh, hanging shortage, and the Whaler jerseys were actually taken down, and the public outcry was so strong that the governor had to issue a statement about issuing, uh, replacing the banners up, uh, because people were just absolutely livid that the, that the banners would be taken down. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. It's, you know, Hartford is a small city in standpoint, so you look at Boston and New York, but being, you know, Hartford, Springfield, New Haven area is the 30th largest market. It's the largest without a major league sports team. Uh, you know, and in that area, we've done a lot of market research on this market. And within a half hour to 45 minutes, the XL Center is a market of 1.3 million people that have, uh, you know, the um, median in- income to support an NHL team. So it's, it's a very much a wanted thing. Uh, but the bottom line is, is, is the arena, which we were still struggling with to update to modern NHL standards. And that's, you know, once that gets done, if it ever gets done, uh, then we have a seat at the table to try and convince the NHL to relocate a franchise or try to find an investor who would be interesting. But, uh, you know, we hear a lot of rumblings. Uh, we just hope that at some point, uh, you know, that the, the, once the arena gets fixed, that things will start to really pick up. But the support has been great. I mean, we, we are still blown away by how much support we get on our YouTube channel. We have uh, over 30,000 views from 100 countries. Uh, you know, all over the world. So, uh, you know, we, we've been, uh, we always say we're a couple of schmucks with a, with a TV show, uh, but it's, it's worked. And, uh, you know, carrying the Whaler banner and, and all the fans, uh, we, we wouldn't even have the show if there wasn't so much support for bringing back the Hartford Whalers. All right, well, let's talk about that TV show, right? So uh, explain to our audience who's outside the uh, Connecticut or the, uh, the Hartford area, at least, uh, what this show is. And, and I, I'm just really curious to sort of get some senses to when it started, why you decided to do it. And, uh, and, uh, what what are you trying to do with it uh, besides, uh, I guess, keep the logo alive, right? Is It sounds to me like there's a bit of a crusade there uh, ongoing, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, about seven years ago, uh, I work at a local university, and uh, one of the employees at the media center uh, said, you know, y- your passion for the whalers uh, is, is amazing. Uh, you know, you should do a TV show. I thought the man was smoking some some illegal uh, contraband. Uh, so I had to uh, ask him, you know, why would you say such a thing? And he told me he worked at a, a local public access uh, TV station and they were looking for shows to come on. So I had reached out to Peter and met him through social media uh, as another uh, uh, Whaler fan. And, uh, and, and so we started what was originally uh, through the Hartford Whalers Booster Club uh, the whaler talk. And, uh, it was just uh, as simple as, Hey, we got to keep our name out there in, in case people are looking to invest in a team and, and relocate them to Hartford. And through that, we, we created, like I said before, a uh, podcast called shut your blowhole, uh, which unfortunately we had to kind of put in the back seat for right now, because the show keeps us busy with local events and local hockey, uh, covering, uh, the AHL club, the Hartford Wolf pack here and uh, the Yukon Huskies ice hockey. Uh, so, you know, with the, with the show, what we've done is kind of wrapped ourselves into the Hartford community. 
uh, with that being said, Peter and I uh, championed the uh, uh, the license plate uh, idea uh, with regard to uh, going in front of the legislature, testifying to get Hartford Whalers license plates with it benefiting the Connecticut Children's Medical Center here in Hartford because back when the Whalers were here, their, one of their main charities was the Yukon Children's Cancer Fund. So for Peter and I, it was showing the community that yes, we love hockey, we love Hartford, we uh, constantly are bringing up what Hartford's trying to do to modernize and get the millennials downtown, but what can we do for something good? And uh, $45 of each of those license plates will go to the Connecticut Children's Medical Center. And that happened uh, January of 2018. And as of this point, over 340 plates have been sold to the public, which equates to about uh, $18,000 going to uh, the Connecticut Children's Medical Center for a brand new dialysis unit for that hospital. Well, so let's let's talk about that that license plate thing for a, sec- uh, for a second, because I, I, I'm not sure that folks outside uh the region sort of understand that this is, and, and frankly, not not an easy process. I would imagine because you got to go through various uh, uh, layers of government and, and legislature and all that kind of stuff. But maybe you could just quickly uh, give our audience a sense of, of what this is. What is the license plate? This is a state issued plate uh, with the yes. Hartford Whalers logo and 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 such. Yes. Yes, actually, we we uh, so we we thought about it because uh, in Connecticut you'll see plates uh, you know with Red Sox logos on it. Uh, we actually. Believe it or not, and this is uh, one of the, the one of the local uh, news networks love this story because uh, there's a, there's actually an alumni Penn State plate in Connecticut, and we thought, you know, this 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 town needs uh, you know a plate or the or the team that was their own, our team, you know, a team that belongs to us, and so everybody kept saying the NHL is never going to let you put a logo on a plate without giving them some kind of kickback, or they're just you know they're not going to want to do that, and blah blah blah. So we started looking at the process, and uh, we, we found out that we needed 400 signatures just to get it recognized by the, the Transportation Committee and the legislature. So I can't tell you, you know, it, I want to say that we slaved away, but, we, you know, we, we had like a handful of Whaler fans, and we got 800 signatures. We doubled the signatures uh, very quickly because everybody's like, yeah, you know, I'll, you know, Jerry and I ordered plates. Everybody, you know, if it's a Whaler fan, would want a plate. So that was great. We got all these, uh, you know, these signatures. But you had to testify before the Transportation Committee uh, we needed a sponsor, so we needed to to lobby to get a uh, representative of the state legislature uh, to sponsor our bill. So we had to do that as well, uh, you know. And after um, we brought some Whaler friends, also went to testify with us. So we had some, you know, that. And then it goes through the process of the legislature of of passing the bill, uh, and it was dicey. Uh, you know, we did get a lot. A couple times we we got information and said, you know what, um, it's just not a good time to do that now or or that type of thing. But we kept lobbying. We would speak to other representatives and, uh, you know, enough representatives said that they were getting calls from people other than us, which really helped, of course. And, uh, you know, they ended up putting it into a large transportation bill and it passed and the NHL went for it because I think that they realized that, uh, you know, they made a mistake leaving Hartford. I mean, they could see that, you know, they got this fan base here. You don't see that with a, you know, if, if suppose the Carolina Hurricanes move, I don't think 21 years later, they're going to make a Carolina Hurricanes license plate. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I think there's something to that, that you see uh, that Connecticut uh, wants its own team and, and having the license plate was a way to keep the logo alive. Now people will be driving on the street and see it. Uh, they will say, boy, you know, is that the old Whalers logo? So, and we really wanted to honor Peter Good, the creator of the logo, who we've had on our show multiple times and in events. Uh, you know, he came up with his original logo 
uh, kind of, you know, out of the blue. And uh, I, I still think it's the greatest sports logo uh, in sports. If people look at the Whalers logo, you'll notice that the negative space between the tail and the W is an H. It forms an H for Hartford. Uh, so it's a really cool logo. And I think that alone, uh, if that logo wasn't as cool as it was, as sought after, as wanted, it's still a top seller in the NHL today. We've talked to the NHL. It's a top 10 seller, even of active teams. It's outselling. Uh, so that logo, to get that on a license plate, and now uh, you know it'll keep the dream alive a little longer. You know, that's interesting you bring up uh, sort of the logo stuff. We uh, recently had on, uh, on our show a guy named Waylon Moore, who uh, was uh, known for creating the iconic uh, New York Cosmos uh, soccer logo, as well as a couple of other soccer and sports uh, stuff. The Atlanta Braves, he was very active in their, their uniform design and stuff. And that's interesting that you would have somebody like, uh, like uh, Peter Good. Uh, on your show, because um, I, we we sort of delved into this in, in our previous episode, but it, it is a, it is absolutely a very strong tributary to our little journeys and our pursuits, right? These are logos that are that uh, you know uh, for whatever reasons uh, somehow lose ownership or trademark status and that kind of stuff. You know, these are gigs for graphic artists and uh, and other uh, creative folks out there, right? You know, the new team comes in, into uh, into town. Uh, they want logo designs and concepts and stuff, and lo and behold, something gets chosen. And then, as certainly as we see in today's modern era, right, those logos, uh, to your point earlier, right, the logos are far beyond just uh, imagery and colors, right? They actually start to stand for something, right? They start to stand for community pride or, or uh, you know, passion for a team, uh, even as to your point, maybe long after the team is gone, right? People, people just affix uh, their memories and their their passion and their love and the lore around that sort of physical uh, imagery of a logo. And it's, uh, I'm just curious as to who owns the intellectual property to that logo. Is that, that the, uh, the, is that the NHL? Is it now the, the hurricanes? Uh, does Peter even have a stake in that anymore? Did it fall out of uh, ownership into, uh, into uh, sort of the public domain? How did you manage that minefield? Well, you know, when you look at, you know, and, and Peter, Peter Good uh, was a tremendous guest. He brought all his sketches on uh, of, uh, of his original mock-ups of this logo. <clears throat> Some of them uh, prior to the finished product, which thankfully he went with because it turned out to be so awesome, uh, was actually they used the uh, uh, Sailor's uh, Arch in Hartford, uh, which is uh, notorious here in Hartford, <clears throat> called the Arch. And uh, he had... He had these um, large, um, almost like spears on it. And someone said, well, you know, if you love the whalers, you don't want a harpoon. You want something that symbolizes that you love your whalers. And, and that's where he came up with his other logo. To answer your question, though, he still owns the copyright to the original logo. No kidding. The NHL, yep, and the, but the NHL owns the trademark, which carries heavier value to it. Yeah. So they are now selling it through Reebok, and you see it out there everywhere. Unfortunately, when the Carolina Hurricanes left Hartford, and that was one of the things they had to leave behind as part of the contract. Well, the city and state did not renew that, so we lost out on that. So then, of course, the NHL scooped it up, and now, uh, thankfully, uh, it's still out there. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I work at a local university, and uh, it's hilarious. You know, these kids are, or these students are so young, they don't remember the whalers. Uh, but they'll wear the t-shirt, they'll wear the hat, because like you said, it's a territorial thing. It's our team. And they will wear it because it has Hartford on it, it has the H, it has the whalers. 
uh, it's ours. Uh, they don't exist today, but, you know, that's only for people who don't believe, unlike us. We totally believe our hockey club is coming back one day. Uh, so you see it. It doesn't matter where you are. I mean, there was a NBA Finals about five years ago, and Snoop Dogg was wearing a blue cardigan sweater with the Whalers logo on it. So, you know, uh, it's interesting who wears it. Uh, who's uh, uh, What's her name? Uh, Fox. Fox. Megan, Megan Fox. Fox had it on uh, a T-shirt out in Hollywood. Uh, so, you know, all these people uh, love the logo. They, they, I don't know why uh, why Megan Fox would wear it. Uh, maybe she likes Hartford. I don't know. <laughs> maybe she likes the Whalers. Uh, so, you know, it lives on. And Peter Good, being the guy he is, comes back all the time whenever we invite him. And we talk about that logo again and how how instrumental, you know, you look at all-stars or, or three, three stars of the game at the end of a hockey game. Well, Peter Good ranks right up there. He's probably the number one star here at Hartford uh, just for the logo. Not the player, but uh, the player who created such an iconic logo. Yeah, and we, uh, we, you know, we, we originally, uh, this is one of the things that people don't know about the license plate was, uh, well, there's two Whaler logos. One has a silver background, and that started in 1992. Uh, but Peter Good is responsible for the original logo, which was just the blue and the green over white. Uh, and we wanted that logo on the license plates. However, I think the NHL is more comfortable with using the logo that they uh, manufacture, and that's the one with the silver background. So, uh, you know, we, we wanted to get that first logo, but just to get any logo on a plate, uh, you know, I, I think when we started this, we thought, you know, hey, we'll, we'll roll the dice with this. But, I mean, just the fact that it's done, it's out there, people are ordering them, it's just fantastic. And I think it, you know, I'm sure the NHL got a hold of it. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's linked at all, but – Tom Dundon, the new owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, shortly thereafter the release of the plates, which was a national story, which we were you know, overwhelmed. We, we had our name in Sports Illustrated, and I have no athletic ability at all. But, uh, you know, so we, we were just amazed at how well it took off and how, how many people, uh, you know, have already bought just a couple of months. You know, we got a couple hundred plates sold. And, uh, you know, that, that, it's really the logo, I think, is what uh, drives all the success and the memories. All right, well, let's talk about... Um... Carolina for a second. I, I hate to start or start. I hate to sort of go right to the end of the story, so to speak. But, um, you know, the team obviously, Sorry, you know, yeah, the team obviously left for supposedly greener pastures uh, in uh, in 1990, I guess it was the 1997-98 season. Is that correct? That That's is correct. correct. Yes. Okay. So um, I, we don't have to go through the torturous history of that, but I'd, I'd certainly like to go back and sort of get some some sense of how you uh, what was going on at that time to, that sort of made that happen. But let let's go to the new ownership. So uh, tell our tell our listeners sort of what, what sort of has transpired over the last number of months. It's it's my understanding. Tell me if I have this right. Is that there's almost been sort of a um, I wouldn't even call it a, a detente, but almost a a uh, uh, a recognition that there actually was a history to this Carolina team uh, uh, before they moved to Raleigh, right? And and almost sort of a, an opening of the floodgates to uh, remember and uh, and to uh, put uh, Hartford Whaler programming, if you will, into uh, into the games and, uh, and inject it into the history of that franchise where it wasn't existing before. Is that right? Uh, well, that's, yes, that's an opinion. Uh, I believe that uh, Mr. Dundon, uh, who obviously is a very successful businessman, uh, is looking at it from a business aspect. Uh, I don't believe, and again, he can correct me if he's wrong. Um, he's doing it to look at the history. I think he's looking at it as this can make me some money. He can, if, if in fact he is 
memorializing that part of his club came from Hartford, good for him. I give him credit. I don't think that's the fact. I think the fact is he saw the license plate thing. He saw the national recognition. He saw it going to Canada and everywhere else. We were covered by uh, some Canadian sports outlets as well. I think he's taking the opportunity to make some money. And, and you know what? He can. Uh, as of right now, uh, we have found that uh, there's a public relations firm, I believe, out of Delaware that actually owns that trademark uh, um, for that logo. Uh, but because he's part of the NHL, the NHL has given him permission to sell T-shirts uh, for $35 at Carolina Hurricanes games. And he has sold quite a few of them. Yeah. So, again, uh, we reach out. I got a text from uh, someone who lives down in Carolina the other day that his neighbor actually looks at our Facebook page, the Whalers Brigade, and he thinks it's absolutely phenomenal uh, that this Whalers page exists. I don't know if he's a Whaler fan. I don't know if he's transplanted from Connecticut and he lives down there. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's interesting that Tom Dundon, the new owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, is embracing uh, the Hartford Whalers logo and merchandise. Uh, I hope it's for the right reasons. Uh, I think it's a business thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to add that, you know, it's interesting because we do keep so uh, diehard track of everything. Uh, you know, there's an interesting stat that came about uh, and we talked about Carolina being greener pastures and yeah, they did win a Stanley cup in 2006, but over the last two seasons, the Carolina hurricanes have drawn less people than the Whalers did in their final season. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know. They think that the Hartford was not a market that supported its team. And, and we really contest that strongly because, you know, in Hartford's final year, 93% of the Civic Center was sold out. They didn't make the playoffs five years straight, uh, but they sold out 93% of the building. There were dark times in the early to mid-90s and the early to mid-80s where the team was winning an average of 28 games a season. And so, yeah, you did get some of those attendances that were down in the 11,000, the 12,000. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's really hard to get people to come out and support a team that's, uh, you know, not playing well at all. The Whalers didn't have many glory days. But when they did in the late 80s, uh, they outdrew Boston in the 80s. And people don't even know this uh, fact here. The Whalers outdrew Boston four out of ten years in the 80s. Uh, you know, that's pretty impressive for a small market team. Well, and it's you know it's not a small market per se because if you truly sort of expand the geography a little bit, obviously there's overlap with certainly Boston right. and 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 count them three teams in the New York metropolitan area, right? And right. I, you know, so I so having grown up in the northern New Jersey area and sort of seeing the uh, the arrival of the Devils, for example, which arguably could have been seen as being one team too many uh, in an already <laughs> two team, maybe arguably three team metropolitan area, if you included the Whalers prior to the Devils' arrival. Um, right. But so I guess let me let's let's maybe skate, if you will, no pun intended, perhaps pun intended, uh, <laughs> into maybe sort of the rationale maybe at the time as to why the team wound up moving. We could talk about the particulars in a minute, but I, I guess I'm, I'm looking more for the overall tableau, I guess, of the NHL, because you're bringing up, right, the, the attendance issues, you know, and I, I track on, on, on Twitter, empty seats uh, picks, you know, and, and uh, revel in sort of empty seats and low attendances and stuff. But the NHL is a very interesting sort of thing, right? Because, you know, uh, and people have their love and disdain for Gary Bettman, but you know, uh, Phoenix, right, is is been basically a very challenged franchise over its short history. Uh, you know, the the migration, if you will, of teams from Canada to uh, seemingly non hockey markets, Raleigh probably being a head scratcher when it was first proposed. 
uh, Florida, Tampa Bay. I mean, no disrespect to these markets, but, um, you know, it seems like it's, it's been a challenge to kind of bring hockey literally to these markets. However, now you throw in a monkey wrench into all of it with this crazy phenomenon of the Vegas Golden Knights, right, which is just seems to be a complete aberration to what arguably would have been, I guess, most sports fans would have said a stretch to bring hockey into places that hasn't normally embraced hockey. Um, there's a lot to unpack in that question, but maybe a little bit of a, a sense of where do you think the NHL is right now? And, and does Hartford even have a chance given, I don't know, Seattle, it seems like wants to pay even more for a franchise. Uh, do you even, do you think there's a shot there for Hartford to sort of get back into the mix or, or is the NHL kind of just too far gone and it's sort of money grab for new franchises? Well, I think what <clears throat> the answer to the first part of your question, and, you know, there are a fair amount of people here in the Hartford area uh, that do not like Gary Bettman. Uh, we've tried to educate him into the fact that Gary Bettman is the commissioner of the NHL. He is the talking head of the NHL. You have 32 um, board of governors for each of these hockey clubs. They vote on where they want clubs to go. They vote on who should expand. They vote on everything that has to be done. And Gary Bettman reports on their behalf. So, you know, for people to say they don't like Gary Bettman, Gary Bettman is only reporting what the owners want or do not want. Uh, I believe what happened was Gary Bettman came up with an idea that he thought the Sun Belt needed hockey. Well, that's not entirely true because as we've seen, Florida has struggled. They've made some really interesting uh, land uh, development uh, bargains with uh, Fort Lauderdale and the uh, the Broward County area, uh, and they're still not drawing. Uh, yeah, they were close to making the playoffs, but they didn't. Uh, again, their attendance is down. Uh, you move out to Phoenix, like you were talking about in the Arizona, uh, they're they're not drawing. Uh, they have no place to go in uh, next year or the year after because Glendale doesn't want them. Uh, there was a big battle this last couple of years with the city of Glendale. Uh, We were told uh, last year that there are three NHL teams that have a line of credit uh, through the NHL. One of them being Carolina. And that's before the ownership change. Uh, You know, uh, Mr. Kamanos got into some legal trouble uh, with his, uh, I believe it was both of his sons were suing him for 105 million uh, because of uh, him taking money from their trust funds. Uh, that must have been a heck of a holiday dinner. Uh, but, you know, when you look at, you know, the experiment, and I'll call it that, of the Sun Belt, I don't think it's fared very well. And, yes, there is a monkey wrench in Las Vegas, and I'll be the first one to admit that publicly uh, I was on our TV show saying all the casinos would be giving away tickets. We had a radio host send us an email on our YouTube page and said, no, we have a fan base. And you know what? I'll eat my words. They have a fan base. They have a rabid fan base. And they have one hell of a hockey club right now. So you know what? I'll take both, both my shoes and shove my foot in my mouth and take it out because I was wrong. Yeah. And I appreciate I that. Think a lot of radio people, to, for, for fair fair to say, I think a lot of people were wrong, right? I don't think anybody's going to be nobody. Uh, yeah, I, I told you, I, I, I predicted them to be a 28-30 you know, 30 win team, and boy, it was not like that. And it's interesting for us, too, because some of those Vegas Golden Knights are playing in the AHL here in Hartford. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault, Oscar Lindbergh, those are guys that are winning games for the Vegas Knights. They're playing here in Hartford uh, for the Rangers farm team, which is a completely different 
uh, aspect of Hartford hockey. Uh, but just to go back to your uh, point about the NHL, do you think that do we think they have interest in here? And I, I'm going to tell you yes because uh, we've we've been working on this a lot. There's a there's an XL Center plan, the, the Hartford Civic Center, to re re uh, renovate the whole building. And a lot of people don't know this either. The Hartford Civic Center footprint is larger than Madison Square Garden. It's larger than TD Bank North. It's a bigger uh, arena uh, uh, square foot-wise. And we know this because the people that are running the plan to renovate the building, they're called SCI, which is Stadium Consultants International. Uh, Their head architect, his name is Murray Bainan, he is the guy that did the renovation work for Madison Square Garden. He also did work on the LA Forum. He's a top NHL uh, vendor, and we've spoken to him many times. Uh, as he's presented this plan to renovate the building. And I just don't think the NHL would, uh, they might be saying like, you know, hey, well, don't don't spend your time in Hartford working on this this renovation plan. We have other cities like Seattle, maybe Kansas City, uh, Hamilton, Quebec. Uh, but, you know, to have, that's got to be one of their top vendors, a guy that did MSG on the fly. If you know that Madison Square Garden was really renovated uh, without closing the building. And that's the same plan here, uh, you know, building a, a second concourse and building amenities for the Harvard Civic Center would happen over the summer months, and then you would still be allowed to play hockey during the winter months. Now, would a team move here and deal with renovation work? That's plausible. Uh, you know, we always look at, at, at Phoenix, too, and we've got to say Glendale, because don't forget they're playing about 20, 25 minutes uh, west of Phoenix. And, uh, you know, they, they have their attendance issues. But I think the NHL looks at, like, Phoenix is a ninth, ninth or tenth largest media market in America. You know, it's hard to leave a market that's that big. I think that's what happened to the Islanders. Uh, the Islanders are looking for a place to play this year. And, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, they were looking for a new arena and they ended up finding one in Belmont, Belmont. but they they were just never going to leave New York. It's the largest market in, uh, you know, in the United States. And we never thought they were going to leave, but I think a team like Phoenix, a, a team like the Carolina hurricanes, maybe even the Florida Panthers, uh, those are teams that could think about moving if they can lower uh, their expenditures and their losses. If they can, if they can find a way to make it work in Hartford, uh, I don't see why they won't do it. Like I said, it's also one of the richest markets in the nation. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's an issue with, with uh, the ability to make money here in Hartford. And and back to your other question about Seattle, that's like the perfect storm. Uh, you, have, you have some great investors. They're going to redo the key arena. Uh, and one of those investors is Jerry Bruckheimer. He's a TV producer. I mean, he's got all the money in the world. So, you know, we're looking for investors here in Hartford, uh, but, in order to be on the radar and, and marketable, we have to have the XL Center done uh, to modern NHL standards. Well, it also, I mean, you're alluding to it. It does, it, you know, we're talking now, you know, a lot's happened, right, since, since the team left uh, back in the late 90s, right? And, and you see this with Major League Soccer. You see this with a lot of leagues, MLS in particular, because they're, they're still kind of, you know, still in that sort of growth stage, right? A lot of this is backhandedly or maybe uh, maybe not so uh, unobvious is is real estate right it's a real estate play you see these sort of mixed uh, use uh, developments i mean you see what happened with the Braves right moving literally from downtown uh, Atlanta to uh, uh, Gwinnett County and and now basically uh, you know in their own little sort of park with this surrounded by office buildings and restaurants and sort of like a little mini theme park right it's almost that you see Cincinnati in in the in the uh, USL being uh, sort of uh, pulled around by MLS and, and, and you know, it, they can't play in Nippert Stadium, which is the University of Cincinnati facility and, and, and sold out at, you know, 40, 50,000 people at a game. Uh, apparently that's not good enough because it's not a soccer specific stadium with its own uh, revenue streams and such. 
Uh, it's clear, and, and you look at the money around Seattle, right? That's being bandied about is is how much that franchise would cost, right? I, I, my last check was four or five hundred. It's it's it, it's an astronomical amount of money, you would think, given yeah. all the shenanigans going on in Phoenix and those places. So, I, is the it, money there to do that, right? Well, you know, when you look at Seattle, uh, they're they're willing to make a play. Uh, you remember six months ago, though, or almost a year ago, uh, their statement about rebuilding the key arena was they wanted number one tenant to be the NBA. Uh, they want their Seattle uh, Supersonics back. And the NHL did not want to be second fiddle to that. Well, a year later, all of a sudden we have these investors and all of a sudden the NHL is top fiddle. Yeah. Uh, we heard speculation that Wayne Gretzky was part of that investment group as well. So if Wayne Gretzky's involved, you know that it's a win-win because, you know, who the hell is going to turn down Wayne Gretzky? Nobody. And, you know, when you look at Hartford, uh, the one unique thing or the unique thing about having the XL Center here in Hartford is not only do we have the uh, a potential for an NHL team, we also share the building with UConn men, UConn women, UConn hockey. Um, you know, uh, the basketball teams obviously over the years have become national champions. Uh, we bring in, uh, full houses for the women's and men's basketball games. Uh, and the state makes money on that. Uh, when the Wolfpack play, we probably play in a, a, an average of about 2,500 a game. If that, uh, AHL hockey is not, the problem is with AHL hockey, as much as they're, they're fun to watch and it's great having youngsters before they make it up the NHL. Once you are a major league city, it's very difficult to go back to a minor league city. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I think a lot of people still have uh, a bad taste in their mouth that we're not a major league city. I do blame, and I will say this, I blame the legislature, the, the governor, for not actively going out there to attract an NHL club to come here. Uh, the problem is you can beat the drum all you want, but if you don't have a facility to house an NHL team, you're not going to be able to market it. All right, just when it was getting interesting, let's uh, let's bring this uh, to a grinding halt, shall we? Ah, just kidding. Uh, we got to pay the bills around here, and uh, our friends at Audible have been very helpful in attempting to allow us to pay some of those bills, and uh, we want to call them out now uh, and remind you that uh, a free audiobook download is yours for the taking, and also a free one-month uh, subscription to the service uh, of Audible at audibletrial.com slash goodseats. Again, audibletrial.com slash goodseats for your free one-month trial of the Audible service and, interestingly, most interestingly, a free audiobook download for you to enjoy. 180,000 titles and growing uh, every day to choose from, and there's uh, absolutely no excuse to not find at least one title amongst that uh, cavernous uh, selection uh, available to you that uh, you won't find to be enjoyable and uh, and good for the soul, including uh, a couple of books that might be interesting to our audience. And yes, some new ones, frankly, uh, that I'm finally listening to. One that I'm listening to right now uh, is by Carson Cunningham. It's narrated by Paul Bamer, and it's called Underbelly Hoops, Adventures in the CBA, a.k.a. the Crazy Basketball Association, which is really, of course, about uh, the Continental Basketball Association, which for many years uh, was sort of this ragtag minor league uh, of the NBA. And that's uh, it's a book I'm about two chapters into right now, and uh, hopefully maybe a guest will get uh, for a future episode. Also, uh, in my queue, next up, 
uh, is another guest that I'd like to get. Uh, and her book that she wrote is also uh, narrated by her. Her name is Jeannie Buss. And of course, Jeannie is the daughter of Jerry Buss, of course, the uh, wildly successful founder of the Los Angeles Lakers and the LA Forum. And Jeannie is, uh, is clearly today the brains behind uh, the Los Angeles Lakers today. Uh, she and her brothers were uh, active, of course, in things like, along with her father, uh, World Team Tennis, uh, the Major Indoor Soccer League with the LA Lasers, all kinds of stuff. So uh, her book is next on my list. That's called Laker Girl. And that too is available on Audible. And again, it's one of the uh, the many thousands of titles that you can choose from uh, when you go to audibletrial.com slash goodseats. And again, you too can get your free audiobook download to give it a try, perhaps one of those two, or perhaps one of the other 180,000 titles uh, available to you as well. Uh, give it a try, audibletrial.com slash goodseats. Thanks for listening and back to our conversation. It's also, though, about media, right? So the television, right, is, you know, I, there's, there's no doubt that one of the strongest undercurrents to this sort of uh, amazing expansion plan, ill-fated as it might be in, in some of the actual arenas in the Southwest or in the, in the Sun Belt, right, is really is extending and, and expanding a national television or, or uh, include Canada footprint, right, for, you know, w- w- which is arguably the biggest revenue source, right, at least today in the television industry is certainly going through its changes, but Make no mistake, sports revenue from television contracts certainly, you know, is is even more outsized than it was even when the team was still in Hartford. And, you know, unfortunately, Hartford is the, is is not a major market by television standards. Plus, it also has the added burden of being sandwiched between two major ones in Boston and the New York City met- metropolitan area. Yeah, right? you know, yeah. When when we were when we, when the Whalers were here, we had a, a channel called Sports Channel New England, and they covered us. Uh, you also had a competitor called uh, TV 38, which is now Nesson that broadcasts the Bruins. And then later on, obviously, MSG came into the cable market. So you had a lot of these things going on. Uh, some years ago, when there was a lot of talk of bringing the NHL back, uh, the Fox Network uh, talked about being a regional broadcast of an NHL team if they came to Hartford. So, yes, uh, to your point, uh, yes, the TV market is what what would really benefit uh, a team coming back to this area. And, you know, uh, as well as, of course, our local channels covering hockey more than they currently do. And that's another uh, irritating thing that I go through constantly is, you know, they'll, they'll show UConn, 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 but you'll get about three seconds of the Wolfpack game or the UConn hockey game. Uh, you know, they really have to capitalize on the hockey part of it. Uh, they've, they've gotten away with it when... When, when the Whalers were here, they covered them. They actually showed them on uh, some of the local channels uh, when it wasn't broadcast nationally on ESPN. Uh, but that's something that, you know, if we have the opportunity to get a hockey club back here, uh, that's going to be a big feather in our cap getting the uh, TV revenue for not only the team but for the state. Right, and I think I think the, the, the NHL, I think, got interested more in Hartford in 2014. UConn joined Hockey East. Uh, and they were, you know, it's a startup uh, team in the new league. And, the, you know, Hockey East is a, is a monster league for, for college hockey. And uh, the first game, uh, they had to cap the attendance in the building at 8,089. Uh, and they actually sold out and were turning people away. And even though UConn finished, uh, I think, ninth in the conference in their first year, they were first in attendance. And, and they're out drawing Boston College, Boston University, you know, Merrimack, Maine, all of these colleges – 
and they were outdrawing them, you know, pretty mightily. We, I think that the first season, I think they drew somewhere around 5,300 uh, per game. So <laughs> to have, uh, you know, finally UConn supporting it, because UConn hockey has been, they've been pretty good. Uh, they've been competitive. Uh, they, they had their best season this last season, but they, they certainly haven't gone deep into the playoffs or anything. But the fact that you got Hartford showing, uh, you know, promotion for, uh, you know, and, and showing up for a team that's it's kind of mediocre. So I think they saw that. I, th- I think that uh, the, the interest in that is because UConn was like Hartford's team. Uh, they play brass bonanza. They do this. Whereas, the, you know, the, the AHL hockey, uh, it, it is tough, they say, to go from steak to hamburger. But you're going from the NHL to the AHL. And on top of that, uh, you have the New York Ranger affiliate, which not everybody is in love with. It's a little bit like if, uh, if you could imagine the Chicago Blackhawks move and the Detroit Red Wings put their AHL club in Chicago. I mean, how, how well is that going to draw? Well, I mean, given the contours of, of the state of Connecticut in, in sort of that, uh, that media landscape, right, um, I'm wondering now uh, if, if, if a Hartford were a serious conversation for a relocation, which I, I got I to think at this point is it's more about relocation than it is about expansion, right? I mean, you got how many teams now? It's just it's getting to be crazy big. Uh, yeah, we're, we're set up for relocation more than, you know, expansion is just too expensive. I mean, as we talked about the $400, $500 million, you need to find uh, an owner who wants to move uh, to to kind of hedge his bets, thinking that he'll think the greener pastures are here. Uh, and and we think you know we we've we've caught wind from Jeremy Jacobs, who's the Bruins owner, and he said you know I would rather have a team in Hartford than in Phoenix because I have to fly a plane to Phoenix twice a year where I can just take the bus. And uh, the Rangers have said you know if the NHL comes back, we you know we will move our AHL affiliate. You know no problem. Uh, you know if the NHL comes back. So you know the, I think my point here is the Board of Governors vote. Is if if uh, you know if they're paying out of their own pocket to, to subsidize these teams that are, have lines of credit and are, are struggling, if they know that there's a solid owner and a solid building and a solid TV market, uh, I think they'd all vote for a move to Hartford, and we believe that, and we think we have an edge over Quebec. Uh, you know, Quebec is going to be more rabid; they're probably going to sell more tickets. Uh, but we know the TV market here in Hartford is better, and we also know that. Uh, it's tough to put a team in Canada because you you got to deal with the money issue and the transfer, uh, and you lose 25 cents on every dollar. So all contracts, player contracts, are in uh, American dollars. Uh, so you know I I think ownership or a team move in Quebec, at least at this point financially and at the economic times we are in, uh, is is less likely. And the Seattle thing, the Key Arena uh, has some sightline issues, so that's going to take a couple years before Seattle can actually be ready for a team. Uh, we think that the XL Center can be ready in you know, two, two years. So, uh, you know, it all depends on if, if, if people are looking, we know our governor that we have now has been very active and, uh, drawing teams. Have you heard about the letters? Uh, one of the letters that he sent to the Carolina hurricanes, uh, offering them to come play a game in Hartford, a regular season game. Uh, he, he released actually through us, uh, knowing that we would be able to get them out through. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the other thing is he sent he sent a letter to the Islanders uh, and inviting them to come and play here um, <clears throat> uh, for a uh, a couple games while the Belmont Arena is built. Uh, so you know, uh, of course, it went back and forth, and and eventually the Islanders turned down that offer. Yeah, that's that's interesting because it was that actually was going to lead me to my question about so so you, and you maybe addressed it before, right? So I I'm wondering, I was wondering if. Uh, if Boston and or those New York franchises actually would welcome a franchise back, because it would seem that uh, they would probably want to claim some kind of 
uh, modern version of, if you will, territorial rights, given the the absence of the team in the last 20 plus years. Yeah, and that and that has come up in conversation with some people we uh, have been talking to. Uh, what what eventually would happen is you're going to you whoever the owner is is going to pay out of his pocket, um, basically to uh, grab those TV rights. Uh, yeah, and you can you can cut our state right in half, basically, uh, right about the Middletown uh, area, which is about. Uh, 15 minutes uh, south of Hartford or 10 minutes south of Hartford. Um, and that's the New York-Boston line. Uh, Quinnipiac did an actual poll on this, so it's kind of interesting that the New York-Boston line is right at uh, about 20, uh, 15, 15 minutes south of Hartford in Middletown. So I would see if a new owner came in here with a club, he would be paying off the Bruins and the Islanders or Rangers or Bulls. Uh, for their TV, TV revenue that we would then um, uh, gobble up with uh, an NHL team relocating here. So, okay, so it, this, you know, when I when I hear you guys talk, right, this sounds, and I'm, I'm trying to separate the passion from okay. the reality and the chances, right? When I hear you guys right. talk, right, I hear that mm-hmm. like, this is a very real-time, like, of the moment, present, and very alive conversation, not a wallowing in nostalgia kind of thing and gee wouldn't it be cool if right 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 and that's because you know we we you know like i said I, I always bring this up there you know we're just a couple of guys at a tv show but we we presented an image uh we're very factual about what we do know and and you know we we, we admit when there's you know certain things like you know Hartford being a smaller market compared to other larger markets we get that uh, <clears throat> but when you look at the whole thing about it is um you know, we, we, we talked to the Capital Region Development Authority is a, is a uh, an arm of the government here, the state government, and they're trying to renovate the Excel Center to make it NHL ready. And I told you they, they have those vendors they bring in. Uh, the governor's, you know, been very active. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a fluid situation, and I, I think it's a potential, you know, thing, but it all depends. And we're, we've been stuck on this in Hartford for a while now, is if you get the building to be NHL ready, uh, then that opens the door for people to really look at Hartford as a serious thing. But it seems like, you know, $250 million is a lot of money to renovate an arena. But we've been assured that a renovated $250 million arena would be just as appreciable in value as a brand new arena uh, if it was built. So, And that would be $500 million for a brand new arena. So we're, we're looking at this arena being initially ready for $250 million. And then you take it into the fact that you've got, uh, you know, we get support at these events. We, we've had uh, season ticket drives, uh, people signing up, you know, the license plates, all that stuff. So, yeah, you're right. The standpoint that it's, there's not anything that we're specifically able to grab onto, uh, but there's there's enough discussion. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we heard that the Phoenix Coyotes made a preliminary third party reach out to Hartford to just kind of say, hey, where, where's your building at? Where are you guys at? Uh, so the NHL does. Uh, take a peek. And, you know, I just want to make this one point, too. If you look at Gary Bettman, and, and we know we talked about him being a mouthpiece, but when Seattle came out and said, oh, we're doing this, and, and, and Gary Bettman came out and said to Seattle, uh, you know, Seattle, you're nowhere near ready. And then Quebec came up and said, hey, uh, we're building a brand new arena a couple of years ago. And Bettman said, don't build it on our account. Now, you have the governor of the state of Connecticut who's sending letters to the Islanders. He's sending letters to the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, you know, some tweets out there about bring back the NHL. And Gary Bettman is very, very silent. Now, why is that? That's the question I always ask myself when I go to bed at night. <laughs> why? So, are, who do you, who do you worry about most in terms of markets uh, competing with you? You've mentioned a couple, but um, yeah. you know the troubled markets, right? And you know the yeah. NHL's 
and we've seen this in our previous conversations with lots of leagues, both past and present, right? The the interest in at least temporarily, if not long term, propping up those weakest links to keep that uh, national footprint, that television revenue thing, sort of, you know, that multi-market kind of thing sort of going. What markets do you worry about uh, competitively, uh, assuming that Hartford is in that mix, which uh, it's clear there's no shortage of passion to keep it in the mix. And arguably your TV show certainly does that by keeping it alive. Uh, you mentioned Quebec. You mentioned we mentioned uh, Seattle. Give us a sense of um, the reality check based on your perceptions of Hartford versus other "quote unquote" possible franchise locations. We we have heard uh, Houston was uh, brought up uh, in the last uh, four to six months, uh, which is a a great. And you have the you have the Houston Arrows, huge market, uh, huge market. Uh, that would be a uh, I think. If they have an arena ready to play in, uh, they could they could get in the way. Uh, again, uh, you know, for us, you know, Quebec is always sitting there. You know, and and, and Peter, in my opinion, uh, we share. Uh, we believe Hartford and Quebec should be the next two teams uh, brought back into the NHL because of the blunder that they took them out of the NHL. Mm. Uh, you know, of course, Gary Bettman is never going to say that his Sunball experiment has failed. Uh, we'll tell him, no, it failed. Um, but, you know, I think the, the major competitor, uh, you know, Seattle being out of picture, because as far as I'm concerned, they're good to go um, uh, with their expansion bid. Uh, and I think they said they should be on track for 2020. Uh, the competitor I see is going to be Houston. Or uh, or Quebec, if uh, their dollar balances out with the the, the U.S. dollar. Uh, other than that, I don't see too many other people. And remember, now they have so heavily stacked the Western Conference mm. with now Las Vegas and potentially Seattle that they're going to have to bring a team or create a team uh, over on the East Coast to balance out all these divisions or or move a team. Uh, and, you know, where are you going to put it? Well, the only logical place is on the East Coast where there's money. And which franchises then do you see as being most uh, susceptible or uh, open-minded to uh, various entreaties? You mentioned a couple, but uh, g- give me your sort of your uh, your hot list that you have on your on your board, your draft board, so to speak. What markets do you think are most uh, ready for the siren song, if you will? <laughs> to come back I, to, uh, I, to Hartford. Yeah. I think the first one that we think of is, and it's, it's only because of just the way the contract's broken. If you follow the Glendale issue with Phoenix, they do these one-year contracts, and then they say, oh, you know, they tried to go to Tempe and do something with the Arizona State Devils, and they, they tried to go to Scottsdale and look at an issue there. And it just seems like everywhere they go, they cannot get a, a solid arena. They already were in Phoenix. They even have had uh, talks, you know, with going back and partnering with the Suns and, uh, you know, the NBA and that doesn't seem to work out. And now they have a one-year contract. They had a one-year contract last year. Uh, so, you know, it's either, it's, I guess it's a, you're, they're at the point where it's either like uh, they got to, you know, really hunker down or, or just move the team. So, I, I, you know, I, I think Phoenix is up there in the minds of a team that can move. Uh, again, it's another large market. But the second team I think we look at is we do look at Carolina. Uh, and we do look at this owner uh, who does have to stay in Carolina for the next uh, four to five seasons. But uh, as we know, uh, contracts are broken like dishes in a restaurant uh, because uh, the Whalers, if you remember, left here 
when they still had a year left on their contract. So uh, teams can move, and uh, if if Dundon happens to you know build a platform where he can show losses, which is what we thought we you know Carmanos did here, where he kind of tried to make it show that he was losing money in order to make it easier for him to leave. Uh, that was his mistake, uh, you know, in our our findings. But uh, we we believe that Carolina would be, a, a, you know, a candidate to relocate. Maybe it's not Hartford, but to relocate, sure. Uh, and I also think the Florida Panthers. Uh, you said you follow the empty seats on Twitter. Uh, they, they certainly get enough of those pictures, uh, you know, in in uh, sunrise there. So Florida is, a, you know, kind of an issue you kind of think of, and uh, you know, just uh, you know, completely off the topic we're talking about. I got to say one thing about the playoffs going on now is everyone in Hartford is pulling for the Winnipeg Jets. And that's that WHA tie. Uh, everyone's really pulling for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we actually got great uh, responses from the Winnipeg market, uh, you know, rooting for us. We're, you know, we're kind of rooting for them. We're kind of sister franchises. Uh, so, you know, we, we wouldn't want Winnipeg to move, but we'll certainly take the Phoenix Coyotes who used to be the Winnipeg Jets. And another thing to add, when, when you look at the statistics on viewership, uh, during the uh, first and uh, and now we're into the second round of their playoffs, Hartford was number eight nationwide. Yeah, we were at like sixty percent. Yeah, uh, the 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 ratings were outstanding for the New Haven Hartford area. And remember, New Haven's only about thirty minutes away from Hartford. Uh, so you know to be ranked in the top ten yep. in nation, uh, we were number eight, uh, a solid number eight. Uh, and we outdrew other uh, major cities uh, for playoff hockey. Yeah, I mean, it would seem that uh, the, plus the natural, you know, uh, rivalries just within just sort of that region, right? I mean, you mentioned the bus trips before between Boston or New York and, you know, the, the, right. the natural rivalries that can be uh, reinvented, so to speak, by, uh, you know, versus trying to create them out of a whole cloth with, uh, you know, an expansion franchise or you know, and actually right. Winnipeg, which I think is interesting, right? Because I don't want to say everything old is new again, but right. I mean, Winnipeg, right? Obviously, one of the, uh, you know, one of the WHA franchises you're, you're alluding to, and obviously the New England Whalers being part of the the WHA in, in its uh, in its uh, earliest of years. You know, it, Winnipeg's not the largest market either, right? Uh, obviously, no. hockey in Canada, right? So, you know, it, there's something to be said for having a, a passionate, uh, almost ready-made fan base, right? Assuming that the, the TV stuff can be figured out, assuming the, the arena thing can get figured out. It, it seems to me like you guys have done a very good job of trying to at least keep not only hope alive, but but trying to sort of convince people on the outside that there is a market of fertile uh, soil tilling to be had again. And wouldn't it be ironic if somebody like the Carolina Hurricanes decided to round trip and come back home, so to speak, right? Uh, given yeah, that, would be, that, 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 that would be sweet justice. <laughs> uh, but the other thing is you have to remember when Winnipeg built their brand new arena up there, it's only 15,000 seats. So you're not seeing these giant uh, monstrous arenas anymore. You're seeing arenas that are 15,000 seats. Granted, for us guys that don't make lots of money, uh, it's going to be expensive to go see a hockey game. Uh, the other thing is the Barclays Center is only uh, just uh, just under 16,000 seats. So, you know, the XL Center in Hartford, the current plan is to boost it up to 19,000 seats so they can start attracting some major championship in the collegiate sports. Uh, you know, the Final Fours, the, uh, the, the regional finals. Next year in Hartford where we have the basketball uh, regionals coming here uh, for three days in Hartford. Uh, that's a big deal. And, you know, 
that's that means other people have faith in Hartford. It's not just the NHL, but it's it's college basketball. The NCAA believes Hartford is a viable uh, market for attracting a lot of money. Uh, so you know, uh, we talk about the NHL, and that's of course our dream. But also looking at it as a major league sports. Uh, location. When you bring in people from all over the region for basketball, and we know how well basketball uh, draws, uh, heart, you know, hockey is always going to be number four because you have baseball, you have football, you have basketball, and then you have hockey. Uh, but we have a unique fan base that enjoys all of that, and, and the basketball really draws here well in the state of Connecticut. All right, a couple other questions, and I'll let you guys get back to your lives after because you've been on the air and you're now on the air with me, and uh, so I, I appreciate you staying up, <laughs> staying up late. East Coast time to, to hear my little silly questions. So um, no problem. one's a real, I guess, specific question, I guess, more about geography and arenas and stuff. Uh, and this is a bit of my ignorance, but I I, uh, I certainly see it on the concert uh, circuit and, and other sports and stuff. What of the Mohegan Sun Arena uh, as a viable or potential viable place, right? Because we've seen it with uh, the uh, WNBA franchise going there versus, say, somewhere else in Connecticut or uh, is that a, a a challenge, a problem, not even an issue uh, for a franchise? Uh, it is a facility, no doubt, and a quality one at that. It, it is, uh, and we, we've we've actually looked into this a couple of years ago too, because uh, uh, there was uh, you know talk about the AHL team maybe playing other places, and the <laughs> the issue with Mohegan is uh, it's a ten thousand seat uh, arena, but they have absolutely no ice making equipment, so. Uh, I don't know how much that would cost. I know that the XL Center, just uh, the Heart Pacific Center here, had uh, the ice-making machine uh, and, and, you know, the uh, cooling system done for their entire arena, which was like about 3 to $4 million. That was the first time that was done in 40 years. So, uh, you know, right now, Mahegan doesn't have it. And that's an NHL-ready yeah. ice sheet that was put down. Right. And they just replaced the, um, the dashers and the boards, which are all NHL-ready. Uh, when they redid the ice sheet specifically, uh, this is about the time that the Barclays Center was having uh, issues with their ice. Uh, they put PVC piping in instead of stainless steel piping in because they wanted to save money. Well, that's not NHL approved. So Peter and I went back and forth during our show, and we said, how could the NHL put a hockey club, an NHL hockey club, into an arena that's not NHL ready? And then turn around, and the Hartford Civic Center, the XL Center, said, well, that made our decision really simple. Yeah. We put stainless steel piping in, and now we're NHL ready. Yeah. Ice sheet and boards and dashers, all we have to do is get our concourse ready. But to answer your question, it is a competition between the XL Center and Mohegan Sun specifically for concert venues. The XL Center has secured some great concerts, seven concerts this upcoming year, uh, that are huge. We're having Elton John come to town. Uh, Def Leppard and Journey are starting their world tour here in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, Fleetwood Mac just announced they're coming here. Uh, so, you know, Hartford's not dead. Uh, Hartford still has uh, a great uh, entertainment value with the, the, the restaurants and venues around the XL Center for people to visit. Last year alone, the XL Center attracted 600,000 people. What we're trying to educate people here in Hartford is when the Whalers were here, they attracted 600,000 people alone to Hartford. Yeah, very interesting. So, okay, so uh, let me wrap up with maybe a sort of two sort of uh, questions, one more general and one more one specific, and you'll see why I wait till the end for that uh, in a second. <laughs> what is it about 
this franchise and hockey in general and the quite palpable uh, interest in not only keeping the memory alive, but but this some would call it a dream. Some would call it a it's just a matter of time return to NHL hockey in the Hartford slash Connecticut marketplace. Why why the why is it so visceral, say, versus, I don't know, Atlanta, where they've failed twice in, uh, with the NHL franchises, uh, you know, et cetera, versus, uh, say, other markets? Well, I think the, the number one thing, uh, speaking personally, is it irritated me. They took our team. They took our team and what we had here in Hartford. Um, it was nothing the fans did. The fans to this day are just as passionate about their whalers as they were 21 years ago. That is the number one thing that is going to bring back an NHL club here. Yes, we need the building. But besides that, it is the Hartford Whaler fan base here in the state of Connecticut that love their whalers. And to me, that's the most irritating thing is the fans did absolutely nothing wrong and they were taken from us by a guy who thought it was going to be greener on the other side of the septic tank. <laughs> and, you know, my feeling is that's what's going to get us through. Yeah. Uh, Peter and I, like I said, we've done this show for seven years. The people that follow us are just as passionate. Some people call us delusional. Some people call us it's a pipe dream. But you know what? Until the day I die, I'm fighting for this club to come back. And you know what? Some guy came up to me on the street and said, well, you're going to live a long life. And I wanted to give him a sock. But you know what? That's what Peter and I believe. And I'll let Peter answer his, his side of it. Yeah, I think I think it, it comes down to the fact that Hartford has got a chip on its shoulder. Uh, you know, being squished between Boston and New York. That's what you hear everyone saying. I'm going to Boston. I'm going to New York. Or, you know, the Bruins fans were brutal to us. The Ranger fans were brutal to, uh, brutal to us. They they would occupy some of the upper levels in the, uh, in the concourse of the XL Center. There were some... Sometimes some rough nights there, uh, but but Hartford loves taking on the big guy, and I, I can't put it any better than uh, 1987, April 23rd, uh, Kevin Deneen in Game Six in the second round of the Adams Division Final uh, goes around Larry Robinson, a Hall of Famer, beats rookie Hall of, Hall of future Hall of Famer Patrick Waugh, uh, wins Game Six, and all it did was Hartford got to a seventh game with the eventual Stanley Cup winning Montreal Canadiens 19. Uh, 80, 80, 86, sorry. And so uh, that game today, everybody still remembers that day, April 23rd. They remember that. And I, I don't know if you, if you ever heard about this, but, you know, we had 40,000 people in Hartford uh, for a Hartford Whalish parade uh, when they lost to the Canadians in seven games. They threw a parade in the city for a second-round loser. I don't know of any other NHL city, NBA city, MLB city <laughs> – that has done that. Yeah, well, I mean, and and uh, it also feels like you know that it also feels p more pure, right? When you when you versus the right. sort of shall we say artificiality of plopping a team, let's say in the Sun Belt, right? Uh, no disrespect mm -hmm. to Houston, but but certainly Phoenix, which has proven challenging, right? Certainly Florida slash Miami slash Fort Lauderdale, which has proven challenging, right? The the, the transplants of these, you, you can't just artificially manufacture passion. Uh, and uh, an interest, uh, a fan base, right? Uh, I, you could make the argument that Major League Soccer has done a bit of that. There's soccer purists who kind of, uh, kind of don't like sort of the centralized uh, franchise kind of thing. And and frankly, I think some of the more successful franchises in MLS 
not that it's a direct correlation, but, you know, are the ones that have embraced their heritage, right? And, and North American Soccer League, the old Bicentennials haven't come back, but the Sounders of Seattle have and Portland Timbers have. And, you know, so those right. and, and and that's not artificial. That actually existed. Uh, and it's great to see that, you know, people that, who currently own those brands and franchises uh, recognize it and start to tap into it now for whatever ulterior motives, business or whatever. But at least it's something to go back to and 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 have a a uh, an historical lineage to right and soccer in particular, right? Not a very strong uh, you know uh, heritage in this country. Yes, it has been, but it's not as deeply rooted, say, as baseball or whatever, or even hockey for that matter. Um, so kudos to you, right, for for you know for keeping that spirit alive because arguably. You know, you've got something there that that not many markets can replicate. And that is, and again, Vegas, aberration, uh, probably, right? Um, but in some respects, it's maybe not because, it, you know, how many professional sports teams are there there? None, right? And I, I'm not sure how the, the Raiders thing will play out. I mean, that's a mm. whole other ball of wax, right? But, you know, there are right. actually people who live in Las Vegas, right? And many of them are very working class, you know, supporting a very big entertainment sort of uh, industry there, right? And this is something that they can call their own, right? So uh, why is that any different than what Hartford might have, right? And that it's this, you've got passion, you've got people who are interested, and you've got, uh, you know, sort of that sort of chip on your shoulder, that sort of smaller market thing. You can't manufacture that. That's that's real and, and, and genuine. And you know what? You know, th that, that may be a better environment for the league going forward than trying to manufacture another market to keep television right. somewhat satiated. Right. I mean, it, it really what, what we have going in our favor is we don't have another professional sports team in our state. Uh, like you said, we're not competing against uh, right. two other hockey teams like right. New York is, you know, New York has the Rangers, the Islanders, and even uh, some of the fan base goes to Jersey. So we, we, this would be ours all over again. Yeah. And the whole state would embrace a major league NHL franchise here. Yeah, and that's a state with 3.5 million people. And, uh, you know, 2.3 of that million is within an hour of the XL Center. Uh, you're also talking about with the UConn hockey, there are 80,000 uh, UConn alumni within uh, 45 minutes of Hartford. So, uh, you know, they would be probably interested in Whalers uh, too, because I tell you, there's a, there's there's a connection here between UConn and the Whalers. At, at the time, uh, they were both kind of getting hot. Uh, you know, the, the Whalers in the late '80s, and then UConn started to become uh, nationally recognized in the NCAA when they won the Big East tournament in 1990. So, and then from there, they they went on. And of course, the women in '95, uh, you know, started winning championships. We felt like almost every year. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we make great arguments for the fan base, and uh, you know, I don't think that we're telling anybody that the Whalers are coming back tomorrow. Uh, but can we build a constructive, reasonable uh, argument that the the NHL should be here. Uh, you know, I, I I would challenge anybody on it. All right. Well, I saved the best for Alaska. Here's my last question. Right. So um, there's also something else up your sleeve, right? And that is probably the best ever theme song that was ever connected. <laughs> yes. To a which we haven't talked about. That's right. Right. So to, to, not only connected to an NHL franchise, but probably to any sports franchise. And that is, of course, Brass Bonanza. Um, what is it about that song? That that resonates uh, and um, maybe a little uh, personal memories and history of of that of that song, because it's uh, once people hear it uh, and we, we will play it. Uh, we played it at the beginning of the show and we'll probably play it at the end of the show as well. Um, yeah. It's just it's iconic, right? Yeah. You know, and it, it's 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 something that, you know, as a kid going to Whaler games, you heard the song. 
I really didn't understand what it was about, where it came from. You know, it, it's uh, it's different. It's unique. Uh, it, it blows my mind. And this is funny because Brian Burke was recently in the news. Uh, uh, it was working with the Calgary Flames, but uh, saying that, you know, we'll see Jesus before the Whalers come back. This is a guy that removed Brass Bonanza in 1992 uh, to a big failure uh, to the point that people are, are still upset at him for removing the song. And the song, as you said earlier, you can't manufacture this. It's not like... You know, we, we kept pushing the song on people. The song lived on. We have all these guys that got their ringtone for their phone. Uh, guys, that they honk their horns, Brass Bonanza. I mean, we get involved in the St. Patrick's Parade every year, and we have a large contingent of people, and they wear their Whaler jersey simply because they're green. Uh, and you can walk down the street St. Patrick's Day, with, and uh, when you walk down Asylum Street in Hartford uh, in the bar section on St. Patrick's Day, uh, you can actually feel like a player because the the, the – the crowds are so mad screaming for it. We're playing Brass Bonanza, uh, and they're just screaming, let's go Whalers. So, uh, you know, we got some of that video on YouTube of those parades and, and the people going crazy. But there's something about the song. I think it's because it's ours. It's, it's no one else's. You hear it everywhere. We've heard it at the Olympics. We've heard it at all these other events. Uh, uh, you know, they, they ended up playing it. So uh, I think it was played in Carolina for the first time uh, ever. So uh, it just, it's, it's, it, that, that song is going to be living on uh, for as long. And you see today, the Hartford Yard goes to double A affiliate of the Colorado Rockies. They use that for a home run. Uh, you know, the soccer team, they're going to, they use it for brass bonanza for their goals. Uh, so everybody gets, you know, a, a catch of it. And when the Connecticut whale was here, uh, the, the New York Rangers farm team used to be the wolf pack that was called the Connecticut whale. When they became the Connecticut whale, they used brass bonanza as a goal song and the attendance jumped over 30%. Uh, just because people wanted to hear a goal song. I mean, it's it's that crazy. But you're right. That's another uh, feather in the cap for the return of the whale. And the other thing is, you know, when I was uh, growing up, we would we would play uh, street hockey in a driveway. We'd have our little phonograph uh, where most of the people today have no idea where the phonograph is. Um, and we would we would play our record. And we have the 45 of the Brass Bonanza. And the other side was the, the Brawl in the Mall, which was the Minnesota Fighting Saints against the New England Whalers. It was the biggest brawl in hockey history to this day. Yeah. Um, and the funny, thing, the funny thing about it is both those teams got on the same plane and flew out back to St. Paul <laughs> that, so that night. They were just so tired they didn't care. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you you when you go to the game, I mean, I the, the one game that Peter spoke about earlier that I will remember for the rest of my life, and it's a huge marketing, is when Kevin Nanine beat uh, Patrick Y in Game Six, and uh, scored that goal, and that place was off the hook. The song was blaring, the people were screaming, they were clapping, uh, and I stopped clapping as a youngster. And when I stopped clapping, I could feel the building shake. So that building. Uh, with that song and that excitement, that is lightning in a bottle. If you want to market the heart for whalers, you just got to grab that highlight, and you know what? It sells itself. And the uh, composer, a guy named Jack Say. Well, that was a pseudonym, right? That's yeah. Right. So, um, still right. alive? Have you ever talked to him? I will. I don't know what the story is there. Is it? He just passed away, I believe, within the last year or two. Uh, but there was a, a, a reporter here for the Harper Current named Jeff Jacobs, who actually reached out to him, and I don't think he he knew exactly how popular it was. Uh, it was something that he kind of just put together and it's, it's still, uh, interesting. I think it was probably, uh, the Barnes family who brought the song in. I can't remember exactly how it all started kicking off. Uh, but I, I tell you, we, we hear it everywhere. I tell you, it's on phones, on appliances. And it, it was uh, yeah. uh, during the Stanley cup finals last year, the yep. Pittsburgh Penguins played it at their arena during the playoff game. Uh, the brass bonanza played during the Stanley cup 
playoffs because someone someone sent us a video of the brass bonanza at the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, playoff game. I wonder who owns the rights. Yeah, that's a good I, question. I, you know what? <laughs> Fenway Park uses it when the Red Sox hit a home run. Uh, they, you know, they have that Connecticut connection, just like uh, I don't think the Yankees have ever used it. But no. but again, you have that Connecticut connection with Boston, New York. Uh, Boston uses it. I people have texted me. I'm at the Red Sox. They just played the Whalers song. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like Peter said, other other places that use it as well. It's it's a riot when you hear it. You're like, can you believe this? Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. You've, I mean, you look not only you know, assuming the arena and assuming the the uh, the economics, right? You have a logo. You got the theme song. You got the fans. <clears throat> it seems like you've got a lot of the sort of ingredients ready to go. And I think that's, uh, I think that's awesome. All right, guys, give me uh, give me some promo here. What uh, what can our fans uh, uh, and our listeners? Uh, how can they find more about you? Uh, what, where can they see uh, excerpts of the show? Give us some social media. Give give us all your uh, your promotional windup so people can uh, learn more and uh, connect and follow you guys and maybe support you in some way, shape, or form. Well, that'd be great. Uh, we are on Facebook at the Whalers Brigade. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Whalers Brigade at Whalers Brigade. I'm sorry. Uh, YouTube. You can search the Whaler Guys. And on Instagram, we are the Whaler guys. Uh, you know, it's um, I, you know, like Peter alluded to earlier, uh, the, we have have our shows on YouTube after they air at our public access channel. And we have over thirty thousand views there, uh, and you know, Twitter uh, about two to three hundred, and then uh, and then Instagram about one hundred and fifty, uh, and now sixteen hundred over sixteen hundred. Uh, with uh, the Facebook page, and uh, we're tied into other Hartford Whaler groups uh, that reach up to about 25,000 to almost uh, 100,000 when you put them all together. Right, and I I just had to throw this one little uh, 30-second story in here. So uh, as you know from the Chicago area, the Blackhawks have three coaches, uh, Joe Quinville, Kevin Deneen, and Ulf Samuelson, who were – big whalers uh, to, to the fans here. So the Harper Whalers Booster Club is an NHL-recognized booster club, and they do these bus trips, and a couple times we've gone to see the Chicago Blackhawks. And to our surprise, uh, Joe Quenville, Kevin Deneen, and Al Samuelson met the bus load of fans before the game. Jerry and I were there. We got to meet them and say hello. And I don't know if I've ever remember coaches uh, talking to fans, uh, you know, even for just 5, 10, 15 minutes, uh, signing autographs, taking pictures, uh, you know, an hour and a half, two hours before a game, uh, you know, and that, that goes to show you that how, how much the fans love these guys. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, when, when the Blackhawks were winning their Stanley Cups, uh, Hartford was a, a, a great uh, a sub a subrogate of that. They loved uh, people were rooting hard for Chicago Blackhawks because they love those those coaches, those players. Uh, those are those are Hartford Whaler guys to us. Well, that's that's great. I mean, I, look, I, you, you guys are supporting all these other sort of teams and uh, soulmates and Winnipeg and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's probably high time. Yep. That, uh, the league sort of recognized that uh, you got a fertile territory there in, in the Hartford area, and uh, and 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 why not? Given some of the shaky uh, shaky uh, situations that we see elsewhere in the league, guys, this has been uh, really awesome. I hope uh, our audience, uh, those in the New England area who know and follow you, uh, uh, become even more. Uh, supportive and uh, and uh, of your efforts, and frankly, folks around the country. And look, we get listeners all over the place. I mean, uh, Turkey and New Zealand, Bahrain, uh, and 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 Zimbabwe. I I can't even tell you the places that we this show sort of leaks into. So, if there are Hartford Hartford Whaler fans out there, both uh, from the past and maybe newly 
uh, in the future. Uh, hopefully you'll uh, connect with the uh, the Whaler guys, Jer- uh, Jerry and Peter. I appreciate it very much. Great conversation. And I look forward to staying in touch. Please let me know what's going on, especially if there's some big breakthroughs. I would love to hear about it. And We will, and we'll just leave you with one thing. We are one nation under green. And if you disagree with us, you can shut your blowhole. <laughs> All right, it's probably high time that I shut my blowhole, don't you think? And uh, we thank the uh, the Whaler guys, Peter Hindle, Jerry Irwin, uh, so much for uh, joining us after their uh, the latest uh, taping of their show, uh, which you, of course, can watch if you're in the Hartford, Connecticut area on Hartford Public Access Television. Uh, it's called The Whaler Guys, as you can imagine, and uh, they're there every week. And if you're not in the Hartford area, you can find them on YouTube to search The Whaler Guys uh, on YouTube, and you will find uh, all of their episodes that they post uh, after their airing on public TV there in Hartford. Uh, some great stuff about uh, the Whalers past, uh, the story of the Whalers present, and perhaps what could be, again, Whalers future uh, on uh, that YouTube site. Uh, and I think it's at the, the HWBC uh, on YouTube. If you can't remember, that, just search them up on YouTube. Uh, let's see. You can find them uh, on Twitter, of course, at Whalers Brigade. Uh, you'll find a Facebook page uh, about them, uh, devoted to them, called Whalers Brigade. Uh, as well. And at uh, Instagram, you'll find them at the underscore whaler underscore guys uh, there as well. Uh, For us, please, by all means, uh, make sure that you bookmark and go early and often to our website. Uh, That is called goodseatsstillavailable.com. And there, of course, you will find all of our many dozens of episodes uh, uh, to date, as well as in the future. Uh, You will see, of course, this episode, number 63, you will find uh, links to fun and goodies there. Uh, some imagery that we've dug up, uh, and uh, of course, all those old episodes. If you see a book or a, a movie that we reference, uh, just click on those links there. Or usually, Amazon, sometimes iTunes, and uh, by buying uh, said uh, piece of media uh, from those links, you'll be giving a few shekels to our show and keeping us alive and healthy and uh, putting out this great content every week, as we love doing for you. Uh, on social media, you'll find us too. On, on Twitter, you can find us at Good Seat Still. Uh, you'll find us on Instagram at uh, Good Seats Still Available. And you, of course, find us on Facebook as well. There's a little page there devoted to our little fun show. And uh, last but not least, we want to thank the good Dr. Jerry Payne, our producer and editor extraordinaire. He of Pod- Podfly, he says, Podfly Productions. Of course, that's podfly.net. Check him out. You got some podcasting needs. Best place to go. Podfly.net and uh, Podfly Productions. Okay, we cannot... Uh, let you hanging uh, and end this episode without regaling you uh, in uh, in the uh, the tune the uh, the theme song if you will the uh, the Jack she- the Jack Shay it's not Shay is it I think it's Jack Say right the pseudonym was Jack Say is his name was actually Jacques Jay I think is was the, f- the full name but he went under, under the name of Jack Say and uh, he was the composer uh, and the arranger of this song and uh, we'll leave you with it. It's called Brass Bonanza, and uh, we uh, salute you, Hartford Whaler fans, and uh, we wish you the best in uh, in getting a team back. So until next week, take care, everybody. (laughs) 